0: Hi, this is June Lovato, and I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You are listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you would have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with your sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. Enjoy the program. Eric, welcome to our program. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Well, Eric, if titles sold books... This would probably be one of the best titles as it relates to hiring employees I've run across. So how to hire A players, I think, pretty much says it all. But let's go back in time just for a second. What was the premise or the genesis behind putting your thoughts down on paper and getting to the point of being able to write about how to hire A players?
1: You know, I started my company 10 years ago and and really at that point was primarily focused on consulting and coaching both executives and managers. But I quickly realized that many, many companies were trying to solve a recruiting problem with a coaching solution. What I mean by that is they were trying to take B and C players and do anything and everything they could to turn them into A players. And while a, you know an ability to lead and coach is absolutely critical, the fact is you cannot turn most C players into A players. And so I realized that drawing on my recruiting background and helping companies to get proficient and knowing how to reach out and find and hire A-player talent was just, a, you know, it was absolutely critical in the business clients with whom I worked.
0: So given the marketplace right now, are you finding that, that it's easier to find A-players or harder to find A-players?
1: You know, it's fascinating. It, it's, it's never easy. I was just speaking for a CEO group in Michigan a few weeks ago, and Michigan still has, around the, around the Detroit area, 10% unemployment. It's probably really more like 15 to 17 when you factor in people who have stopped looking for work, and yet these small to mid-sized manufacturers with whom I was dealing, the CEOs, they cannot find talented people to work the production line. So I, I think the, the idea of finding A players, really finding that top 10% of talent, I, I, think, that's, I think that's always a challenge no matter the economy.
0: And typically, you'll you'll hear some people say, though, that right now it appears to be an employer's market. So where is the paradox between people saying, gosh, it's an employer's market, look at all the talent that's out there, and your feedback or your experience where it's always been and continues to be difficult to find A players?
1: Well, it's a good question. And I'm not saying that there aren't some and haven't been some very good people who've been between jobs and, and have had to be looking. So that, I think that's been the case. But I would say two levels. One, finding executive leadership is never easy. And there's, there are always going to be a lot more companies than there are really, truly talented managers. Those folks are always going to be hard to find. I think at a lower level, let's even go back to a kind of a blue collar position. I think what you're really seeing is a gap in skill set. So manufacturers, for instance, in the United States, if you're a manufacturer in the US and you're still around, you are tough, you're lean you're competitive, you're world class and and you are, are are highly automated. So you need people who really can operate complex machinery and really think and you know not everybody who's on the street who even has worked on a production line is going to fit that bill. So I my experience has been that it's even given the soft economy it is not the easiest time or place to find A players.
0: Your experience of consulting companies
1: my experience in consulting with the companies, my experience in recruiting, do high-level executive search for senior-level, you know, senior-level leadership positions and senior-level sales roles, and then also I have an interesting vantage point because of the book. I do a lot of speaking across the U.S., coast to coast. So I, you know, I try not, I, I try not to, to say definitive things when I don't really know, but I can tell you across the country, if you speak to the CEOs of mid-sized, fast-growth businesses. Almost every single one of them today is having a, is having a hard time finding the top talent and the best talent that they need to, to help their businesses
0: continue to grow. As you've worked with these companies and you came in through the front door on the consulting side, mm-hmm. and then looked around and said, "Hey, well, we got some problems with the players you're bringing on board." Yep. In your opinion. How many of the problems inside a company that you were called in to consult on would either be mitigated or have gone away if they had, first of all, hired A players to start with?
1: Well, that's a great question. You know, I believe that much of everything rises and falls upon leadership. So on the one hand, I, I don't try to cast all the problems of a company down in the mid to low levels of an organization and say if we just had better people, we'd, we'd, you know the company would be doing better. I, I think that it starts with very strong leadership. But having said that, I believe in the power of recruiting, leading, and keeping A players. And I think that what you see is both in terms of thinking and in terms of execution – companies think better, move faster, and implement and execute better when they're just hiring better talent. And so that's why recruiting, and this is my mantra, recruiting is a, is a leadership priority. It's not just an HR priority because it really has the power to move an entire organization uh, upward and forward.
0: So in your book, and by the way, for our audience, the book we're talking about is How to Hire A Players finding the top people for your team, even if you don't have a recruiting department. So in your book, I love your chapter, and the chapter title is, Would You Know an A-Player If You Met One? So what's been your experience that people really don't even know what they're looking for?
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I know we've got a lot of senior executives listening to the program, and so at a gut level, most senior people know what they're looking for. But it's easy as you move into an organization and you involve multiple executives and managers in the hiring process to really not be dialed in on what an A player looks like. I had a client of mine on the West Coast who ran a very successful construction company. He he created a new position and then promptly hired and fired three people for that role in 18 months. Then he called me (laughs) and said, hey, Eric, for the fourth one, I think I need a little bit of help. And the fact was, and we can talk about the details of it if you like, he had made some assumptions about what he needed that were incorrect. And so he wasn't even looking for the right person. Now, listen, I, I, don't, mean to, to, I don't mean to insinuate that somehow if you really have to find the right job description, then finding an A player is, is easy. That's not true. But I will say that the first step, and an important step, is to really get dialed in and say, this is what an A player looks like in this particular job, and that's important what does an A player look like in this job for in my organization? At least then we have a card that we can use to go out and start finding and interviewing people.
0: Unfortunately, Eric, we won't have time in this program to dive deep, in, as you do in your book, to go through the process of identifying who your A players are, yep. creating that profile. But is there one or two questions you would typically ask your clients to get them thinking about, what that profile should look like that you could share with our audience tonight to get them thinking.
1: Absolutely. And in the book I outline this in detail. But I'll tell you, it's interesting. The first step in defining an A player is defining a B player. So while this may sound paradoxical, the first step in, in defining what a, what a rock star looks like in a particular role is defining what a former boss of mine used to describe as a solid citizen, you know, somebody who can do the basic requirements of the job. Figure those out first, and I know that sounds easy, but I'll tell you a lot of the times we're not clear on what are the foundational requirements. And then on top of that, say a rock star or an A player can do all those things plus these things that really do move the needle. And if you go through that exercise, I mean that, that that's a that's a nice quick start on figuring out an A player profile for a particular role.
0: I recently went through this experience in my own company and I'll I'll share that with the audience that supports what you're saying. I was thinking about one of our roles in our company, and I said, well, what would the competency be? And I thought, well, I'll write down five or six things. Or they have to be competent in computer skills, let's say, or they have to be competent in their verbal communication, or they have to be competent in social media. These are some of the things I wrote down. When I got done, I had written out 45 things. Right. Has that been kind of your experience too. Once you get rolling on it, you have a quiet time to think about it. That list is longer than five or six things.
1: You know, I would say initially it is, but I I will also say that one of the reasons that we do a bad job of interviewing, and this is moving ahead in the process here, but one of the reasons we do a bad job in interviewing is because we have these incredible grocery lists of requirements that we're looking for and we're not dialed into 5 to 7 things that are absolutely critical. And so my guess would be we could take your list of 45 and if we went through my process we could actually boil it down to at least 12, let's say, or 15 at the most and probably fewer. And once we start to really distill it down to its essence, both in terms of a B player and an A player, that among other things really helps us to do a better job in the interview process because now we we know a handful of things that that we're looking for and we can be diligent about you know uncovering if people can do those things or
0: not. So what you're saying is in my example we can expand out to 45 but collapse down to maybe the half dozen that leverage the rest? Yeah
1: you, get, you, you have it or another way of saying that might be that a great initial stage is generating that list of 45 and maybe we do that in a brainstorm session with all the individuals who are involved in hiring for the role. But my guess would be in 45, you can. there are commonalities among those 45s. You can start to group things together and get it down to a list of 7, 9, 12. And, and then furthermore, you can distinguish between B-player things, B-player characteristics, and A-player characteristics. And that's one of the things that I describe in the book is <clears throat> I get this down to one page. One page A-player profile, one page, page interview scorecard, one page coaching scorecard. Because I'm not interested in complex HR tools. I'm interested in leadership tools that take our leaders and our frontline managers and help them to wear that recruiting hat and help them to wear it more effectively.
0: So it carries through from not only finding these candidates, but onboarding them, bringing them up to speed, and working with them then.
1: You know, it, it absolutely does. And, and if you think about it, and this has been very interesting with my clients and, and with the companies and the organizations that I speak to across the country, if we know what an A player looks like, And we've defined it and distilled it down to its essence, five, seven, nine things, let's say. Well, now we can create an interview scorecard that helps us upstream in the recruiting process to figure out, hey, is this person an A player or not? Do they have the accomplishments that demonstrate that they're likely to be successful? But we also have the the foundation for a coaching scorecard that says, once I bring them on, Here's the, here's, the, here's the coaching scorecard that I'm going to use, along with the metrics, typically that, again that we already have, that really are going to help me to lead and coach this person to be successful. So it, it, it's both. It, it impacts both the recruiting and the leadership and management
0: process. You know, Eric, just listening tonight, and I can imagine the audience out there thinking, "Well okay, well, this isn't rocket science, <laughs> but on some level it must be. So in your opinion, why is it so difficult? for our leaders and companies to go through the process you just described. I mean, it, it sounds simple enough.
1: Well, and I'll tell you what, I don't think it is really complicated. It, it, like anything else, it takes diligence. I think it helps to have somebody who's done it, you know, 500, a 1,000 times to, to guide you through the process. But I actually think the problem, and this leads us, if you want to go here, to the million-dollar question, which is where do I go to find A players? <laughs> because my experience is that CEOs uh, of the kind of businesses that we're talking about are, are willing, would be willing actually to, vote, to devote the time and the resources to these kind of exercises if they had confidence it would lead to finding and hiring better people. They don't.
0: You're saying they, they're really coming from a scarcity mentality. Well,
1: I mean there is a scarcity. It's, it's tough. It's tough to find good people. The million dollar question is where do I go to find more A-players?
0: Okay, so l- let me ask you the million-dollar question. <laughs> Eric, great, we built this profile. Yes. Now what? I'll tell you what we do. First of
1: all, we, we start with-, with my assumption, as I indicated earlier, that recruiting is a leadership priority. It's not just an HR priority. We get dialed in on what A-players look like for particular roles in an organization. And then, among other things, we become recruiter in chief for our business I spoke to a group in the engineers Club in st. Louis Missouri and this was over a decade ago and in that room were I'd say 150 people 149 of them were seasoned youth you know engineers between the ages of 25 and 35 otherwise you know, perfect recruiting ground if you owned an engineering firm and then I had one guy over here to my left, 55, polished, professional, quietly holding court at his table. And I thought, you know, who is this guy? I mean, he, he clearly didn't belong. He wasn't hanging out with his friends. So I made a point to go over to him after my talk. I introduced myself. And I politely asked him, you know, what, John, what, what's the value for you being here? And he looked at me square in the eye. I'd never met him before. i never talked to him after. And he said, Eric, that's very simple. I'm recruiter in chief for my business. And that's stuck with me ever since. We have to get in a mentality as leaders in these organizations that we are recruiter in chief. It's our job. If we have HR staff, they support us. But my job and the job of my management team is always to be looking for the next A player. If we start with that mentality, I'm not saying that completes the job, but if we start with that mentality and then begin to get dialed down into the specific talent pools that are going to be valuable for us, we're really going to start to see better results within our organizations.
0: Where did we get caught in now, which is the wrong assumption, that it's HR's job? Because, boy, at one time in business, wasn't it HR's job? Well, and listen,
1: it still is. I mean, uh, recruiting is a very time-intensive process.
0: Uh, Not to cut you off, but you're saying there's a difference between who owns the responsibility and who does the job?
1: What I'm saying is that if you own a manufacturing firm, then the plant manager is responsible for manufacturing, but the CEO and the senior executives own manufacturing. They, they're the ones who are placing the emphasis and the priority upon it because that's what they do. That's their business. And my point is, every business is a people business. And if we are it, every, and by the way, every business says that they want to hire more A players, so that means nothing. But I'm saying, if you're genuinely committed to it, if you understand and can connect the dots between hiring better people and transforming your business, then from the CEO on down, you begin to put a priority on recruiting and recruiting every day. Now, we can talk about what that looks like from a practical basis. The first issue is a mindset issue. If we don't adopt that as a mindset, then we're really saying that recruiting is a secondary at best or a tertiary priority, and we we both know that means it's not going to get the kind of emphasis that it really deserves. In
0: 19... 98. Get the year right here. I received a direct mail piece that has always stuck with me, and I wish I still had it today, but I hung this on my wall. Because the direct mail piece said, In the future, your competitive advantage will no longer be your products and services that you sell, but the people you hire to sell them. Has that come home to roost today? Would you agree that? The competitive advantage really comes down in a company to the quality of the people. Well, now, unless you're Apple and you invent, <laughs> you know, the, sure. the iPod or something.
1: I mean, I, I think we all recognize that te- technology has and is transforming business. I, I think that many of us who have been in business and own businesses for quite some time recognize the power of a business system and of creating a business system that, as much as possible, does not rely on people, actually, in order to be successful. I mean, I know that sounds paradoxical, but a great business is often one that has systems that that strong but not hyper-talented people can execute. So my my point is, however, that to the extent that your business employs people, it's no longer an option to have people who just kind of check boxes, fill in blanks, and just do the basics. And we all, I think that's the reality that we're all living with, is we need people who think. You know, the, the, the companies I was talking to about back in Detroit or the companies I've, I've dealt with in Birmingham, Alabama, I mean, they need, they, these are manufacturing companies or service companies, they need people who think at every level of the organization. How do I do things better today than I did them yesterday? And these are, this is the front line people. I mean, the leadership clearly needs to be thinking that way. So. You can create the greatest business system in the world, and you can manufacture out as many people as you want and can. But the people who are left, the roles that are left to fill, you need the smartest, most effective people in those roles possible. And we all know it. So what you have now in our economy, not just in the United States but across the world, our economy competing for the top 10% of talent because they understand the difference that those people can make versus everybody else.
0: When you're working with companies and – the frontline people aren't thinking, how does that manifest itself back into the company?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I I tend to come at it a little bit. It's a, it's a great question. I tend to see it and think about it in, in a little bit of a different manner, which is if I have leaders who are not really at the top of their game, then their tendency is going to want to be to, to attract B and C players who at best are going to be able to do what they're told. And I think one of the hallmarks of a player leaders is the ability to attract and keep strong people who really can think for themselves and who will execute B player execute what's been given them, but A player really think how can we do things better? How can I do this better? And you know that that mentality of I'm going to do the fundamentals of this role today, keep the keep the you know the train rolling, but I'm going to think about how I can improve the process, you know, whether whether we're talking about an administrative or assistant or a CEO or anybody in between, I mean, that that's not the only characteristic of an A player, but I think that is one of the things that starts to differentiate the best performers from kind of the solid middle of the pack.
0: In your book, you write about the three steps to creating an A team. Would yep. you share that with our audience?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, we, we, you know, I think we've already discussed a, a, one piece of it, which is You've got to define this A-player profile, and you have to create an A-player mindset throughout your company. And what I mean by that is that this phrase recruiter-in-chief obviously plays off CEO, uh, commander-in-chief. Well, the commander-in-chief is not the sergeant. The commander-in-chief is not down in the trenches. He or she is the one who's setting the overall vision and tone. We need to get an A player mindset throughout our organizations. And one of the implications of that, the first implication of that is we're going to stop filling positions. Now, now you know, that phrase, words mean things. And so you'll find throughout, it's ubiquitous. We talk about, well, I've got a position to fill. Yeah, we've got a job to fill in our company. We had somebody to leave. We have, you know we're growing. We're, we're doing this. We're doing it. We've got a job to fill. You know, the idea, the mentality of, I have a position to fill, you're already losing. Because that's a reactive, a phrase. It's a reactive way of looking at it that says, "What i got to step away from my real job and I've got to, you know, come over here and put my recruiting hat on. i got to fill the job as quickly as possible so I can go back and do my job. And we need to change that. So the first step that we need to do is we need to create an A-player mindset that says, no, 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 we're not filling positions. What we're doing is we're always looking, always looking for the next A-player to join our team. So that would be that's step number one of the process, and I've got a couple other things I can go through if you'd like.
0: Uh, thanks for sharing that. I think sure. that, that's the important thing. Okay, I'm sitting there today. I got my profile. I, I bought into the fact that we're constantly recruiting. Where's the first stone I overturned to start finding these A players? Is it...
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. With you. That, that's, that is really the critical question. So let me talk about a, a couple of things here. Number one, let's not overlook the people who are right under our nose. And what I mean by that is, we need to create an update, act upon a recruiting target list. Sometimes, you know, we tend to, we tend to fall back into old behaviors, and we tend to think like as if we were the company that we were, as opposed to the company that we were becoming and the company that we are. I have a client of mine. It's a relatively small construction firm in the Midwest. And when we went through this process, one of the things that the COO did was approached somebody that he already knew, had already developed a relationship with over the years, who worked for a multi-billion dollar with a B, a construction firm in his same town, and just said, "Listen, you know I'd love to have you come work for me." And you know, six months later, that person was working for him because she really was a, was a small company person trapped in, in a big company queue. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't solve all our recruiting problems, but I'm saying number one is, let's get a target list together and let's go after folks that we think could add a lot of value. Another thing would be to say, I, I really believe that uh, recruiting is just marketing and sales in different garb. What I mean by that is, I don't care if you've never recruited a day in your life. If you understand marketing, you understand sales, you already understand recruiting. So you just think about you know, where are the places and the, the functions that you're already attending? You're already there. You don't have to spend any more money. You don't have to spend any more time. You're already going to these things. But to be thinking like a recruiter, among the other responsibilities that you have. So continuing education and trade shows and industry events and chamber of commerce functions, all those types of things. Are we are we thinking about who, who are the A players? And by the way, who are the A players that fit my A player profile? Because that may or may not require industry experience. I have a, I have a bias actually and to believe that many times, not all the time, but many of the times when we require industry experience, It's actually because we haven't really dialed into our A player profile and we are not committed to saying, I'm going to find the best people I possibly can and then train them on the things that I know that I can teach them.
0: You do a very good job in your book about finding new pools of A player talent. Yep. Share with our audience just a couple of those that they're probably not even thinking of today because you have several in your book that I think are unique. Sure. I've
1: seen... Retail businesses, for instance, that get very dialed into hiring people out of the restaurant industry. And, in fact, I've had business-to-business sales organizations that get very dialed into hiring people out of the restaurant industry because what they realize about the best waiters and waitresses is that they've developed very strong transactional selling skills. They know how to upsell. They understand how to keep score monetarily. And they they realize that these are the kinds of people – who can really add a lot of value to their organizations. I've had other clients that do phone-based selling. And what they've realized through their A player profile is that really the foundational skills that they're looking for are a phone-based customer service person. And then the A players not only can provide good customer service on inbound calls, they really can get on the phone and make outbound prospecting calls. So I had one client of mine that figured this out and then actually would advertise and promote, not for sales positions, but for customer service roles. And part of the reason this was because in their particular town, they had a number of very large call centers for Fortune 500 companies. And what they understood was a basic sales principle, which is if they filled their recruiting funnel with a lot of prospective candidates that had the fundamental, the B player skills that they were looking for. And then they did a really good job of weeding through those people, they were going to be able to find the A players who really could go out there and sell. So that's the kind of mentality that I, that I like to try to inculcate, which is to say if we understand the fundamental skills we're looking for and we can get dialed into a basic a talent pool, a large enough talent pool that has people with those fundamental skills, let's just go find the best people in the pool. If we find the best people, they have a very good chance of being an A player for us.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. couple quick things. Sure. Number one. Number one rule using online today in recruiting would be what?
1: I, I think online recruiting, I, I would say, has become on the one hand critical, on the other hand not a replacement for personal relationships. So you'll find if you talk to recruiters or, or you know, know enough about the recruiting uh, community that LinkedIn, for instance, has become a really critical tool in the recruiting community. If you're not familiar with LinkedIn, it's essentially an online resume where you can link to other people within your industry. And you can join groups, and you can get to know people. And so I would say tools like LinkedIn for most businesses, business-to-business sellers, are are very, very important tools. Having, depending on the size of your organization, this may or may not be a no-brainer, but having a web presence that has a good, clean career page and has the ability for people to apply online, I think that's very important. Figuring out how you can use Twitter to be able to promulgate not only your message to your customers, but also your message to your candidates. And to gain an online reputation as an organization that's doing good work, doing quality work, has good thinking, that's a really important recruiting tool. Having said all that, you know, we, my firm, our, our primary focus is executive search for senior executives and for senior salespeople. And the other thing that I will tell you is, just like in marketing, those are great tools to build a brand, to position, and to help generate inbound activity, but they are no replacement for relationships, and they are no replacement for figuring out, you know, whether it's at trade shows or uh, continuing education or industry events or the speaking that you do. Or the, we could talk about, a, you know, we could talk about many, many different ways. It's no replacement for once you build that brand, you know, online. You've got to get face-to-face and figure out who are the absolute best people in this arena. Those are the people that we want to build relationships with. Those are the people that we
0: want to recruit. Assessments, yes or no? Do we use them?
1: I absolutely believe in online assessment tools. I've been using a tool called Trimetrics for the past 10 years and have had excellent success with it. My, My opinion on assessments is as follows. I think they are highly, very, very helpful in weeding people out. Number one use of them, as far as I'm concerned, is for salespeople. I think they're also useful in executive leadership roles and in other positions. I I, I can weed salespeople out all day long using an assessment tool. However, I will never hire somebody just based upon their assessment results. I will, I, have, I will see some incredibly stellar results. This just happened to us today. We just had a, you know, a stellar set of assessment results come through for a potential salesperson. We called the client right away and said, I don't know who this person is, but you really need to take a serious look at them. But you've got to integrate that into a good interview process because assessment tools today are not strong enough to just be able to hire somebody or not hire somebody based solely upon those results, nor is it legal.
0: Recruiters, use them, don't use them.
1: My experience is that the companies that consistently, and I mean year in and year out, find, hire, lead, and keep A players do most of it internally. And they also use recruiters, uh, almost all of them. So I, I think the point here is and this makes sense. If you think about recruiting as a core competency and you say, listen, we're good at this. I mean, we're, we're good at building an A player team. Then, then a lot of that competency is going to reside within your own four walls. But when it comes to high-level executive search, when it comes to hard-to-find positions, when it comes to roles that you're not used to hiring for, you value it enough to turn to a well-regarded recruiting firm and help you bring a person in. So I think it's a matter of and as opposed to or.
0: Imagine today that you're an A player, okay? Let's let's pretend Eric is an A player, yep. and he's sitting out in the marketplace, and he has some triggering event that causes him to look. Okay. So you're out there and you say, you know what, this has been a fun ride, but I, I'm looking for the next challenge, the next level, the next opportunity, whatever it is. Yep. So as an A player, what are you looking for today in those companies? What do A players value? I, that
1: is a, such a good question and such an important question, I think, for us to really think about deeply, not just in general. I'm going to provide some general answers, and I think they're applicable, but also very specifically to our industry, to our company. A players want to move to the next level. In fact, that phrase, move to the next level, I want to move to the next level in my career, is it touches a place deep within most A players. And when I, again, I'm talk, we're talking about the top talent, motivated people who really want to accomplish, whether they're administrative assistants or CEOs, they want to move to the next level. They want to learn. They do not want to stagnate. And so, in part, what you're what you're creating and what you're, you have to communicate to these people is that that's what we've created here. You know, we've created a platform upon which you can perform and do your very best and learn and work with the very best. And that message is incredibly motivational, incredibly motivational to many A players.
0: Eric, is there one question today that I should have asked you that I haven't?
1: I think you've asked me a number of great questions, and and I think particularly this last question leads us or could lead us into a discussion that says this. Once I have them, how do I keep them? Okay. And the reason that is so important is let's come back to my initial premise. Recruiting is a leadership priority. It's not just an HR priority. So as a function of that, we have. If we're leaders, if we know how to lead people, if we know how to create a vision and create a sense of progress and order for people, so that we are providing a platform upon which they can do their best work. That is how we don't not just find them, but we lead and keep a players. And when we are leading and keeping a players, we are now creating, among other things, we're creating a context, a culture that other A players want to be a part of. And if we stay at it, if we stay committed, over time, and it does take time, but over time what we do is create a company and a culture and an organization that's differentiated because the, if the best people want to work there. And there's a big gap between that kind of company and most other organizations. And that is, in, in, in the end, that's part of the reason why why recruiting pays off. Because we're able to kind of create an organization that can outthink and out execute the competition.
0: In your opinion, is this challenge, and it's always been a challenge like you said, but this challenge of finding A players gonna become harder in the near future, meaning the next three to five years, or easier?
1: It's gonna be harder. And it's gonna be harder because I think in fit starts the economy is getting stronger. And while you know, to come back to your my initial point in response to your question about the economy, I think it's always hard. I think in, in strong economic times, it's it's harder. But I also think that the opportunity here, and one of the things that I tell all my clients is, think about the difference that hiring just one more A player would make for your business. Just one. In almost every business with which I work, one A player would make a measurable difference. A handful would be absolutely transformative. So we don't have to go out and find a million of these people, but if we are successful in moving the needle and, and upgrading talent in, in three to five key, key roles within our organization over the next 36 months, it's going to show up in the numbers. It's going to make a big difference. So I, I, I like the ability to say this is these are not huge hiring goals that we have to hit in order to make a measurable impact on the business.
0: I forget what the exact quote is, so bear with me on paraphrasing this and Someone knows the exact quote. I'm sure they'll email and correct me. But the gentleman who used to run the container store, which was always heralded as one of the best places to work, and their retail sales per square foot was well above the industry average. And when the two gentlemen sold the company and they asked their key to success, one of the things they said was that one great employee equals three good. And their standard was one great, and they would overpay him. That's right. Yeah. And so I think that's to your point, that it will translate to everything in your company.
1: But it, it does, and, and there are other, some other implications there in terms of creating a business system where you know how and wh- what positions to hire people into because you know, the, you know the, people, the great people are going to be able to come into those roles and do things that are going to generate more money. So it, it's certainly tied to the business system. That's, that's true at the container store. But then that's absolutely right. You know, we, we, we have the ability to reach out and find those, those great people, plug them into a good system, and really watch really watch the results roll.
0: We're talking with Aaron Cole. His book is How to Hire A Players, Finding the Top People for Your Team, Even if You Don't Have a Recruiting Department. Eric, if people want a copy of the book, they'd go where?
1: You can go anywhere books are sold, Amazon, your favorite local bookstore. They, uh, they should be there.
0: If they want to find more out about you and your company and your services, they would go where?
1: Yeah, I'd invite people to go to com, which is H-E-R-R-E-N-K-O-H-L Consulting. Or you can also Google How to Hire A Players, and there's a website for the book. But on our company website, there are video clips that take a number of the concepts from this book and put pieces of speeches that I've given up there to to explain them a little bit more in depth. So if you're intrigued, I I would direct you to the website to take a look at those clips.
0: Derek, thanks for being on the program.
1: Thanks for the invitation to be here. I've enjoyed the conversation.
0: This or other BizTalk podcasts may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. You can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies and how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net.